Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When was the last time you felt fearful about something in life? How did you cope with it? It can sometimes be difficult to overcome those feelings of fear without a change in the outside circumstances. In today's message, Pastor Jim encourages you to turn to God in times of fear. Although he may not always intervene in a physical matter, the awareness of God's presence in your life empowers you to face the trials in front of you without fear. Nothing can separate you from his love. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Genesis chapter 26 as he begins his message, God's Faithful Presence. Perhaps you are wondering, with all the things that's going on in the world these days, Pastor Jim, why in the world are we studying the lives of Isaac and Jacob? True, they're in the line of the Messiah. They're the, the son and the grandson of Abraham. And you might say, though, but there's a lot better Bible characters, and I probably wouldn't debate you on that. Especially Isaac. Jacob is very... He's, it's always, life's an adventure for Jacob. In fact, Jacob will make you feel pretty good about yourself. <laughs> if, you think, if you think you're a terrible follower of God, you'll be like, well, at least I'm not that guy. And Genesis 26 is really, for the most part, the, the Isaac chapter, if you will. And Isaac, and I do not mean this negatively at all, uh, Isaac, to me, seems ordinary, and uh, to be honest, I think, at least I do, I think most of us a lot of times feel ordinary, don't we? I mean, I look at some of the people on television, and when I was younger, I guess maybe I thought maybe I'd like to be like them, rich and famous or something like that. Now I watch them, I'm like, I would never want to be those people. <laughs> uh, when you're, so those of you who are young, you have these great dreams of, of fame and fortune. Uh, I can tell you as you get older... You just want to keep living your life, and maybe you'll feel better tomorrow than you did today. <laughs> so it, uh, it's, it's a very different way of looking at life. You want to feel decent. You know, as I read the Bible, I've come to see over the years that God is more than enough for the ordinary things of life, for the ordinary things that people face. And God's general promises, some of God's promises are very specific for specific people at specific times, but his general promises continue to operate into each succeeding generation of the people of God. Also, I think that we want to really focus that God can be trusted to keep his promises in the midst of the weaknesses of the very people that he makes his promises to. You know, like, we'll, we'll make a promise to someone, and then they, we, we won't like the way they behave, and we're like, well, forget it, I'm not doing it. That's not the way God rolls, if you will. So I hope that some of us will at least see that ordinary, and again, I don't mean to insult anybody by that term, ordinary is very special in God's eyes, that he really wants to do a lot with his people. So Genesis 26, 1 says this, and there was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So this is a different famine. Abraham's already gone. He's died. And Isaac went to Abimelech. Now, Abraham met a guy named Abimelech, probably a title. You know, they, we say the president and, the, and Caesar and all this is probably a title. Abimelech, king of the Philistines 
in Gerar. Now, we look at this word famine. I mean, we, what happens? We go to the store and we, we gripe and moan when our favorite peanut butter's not available. You know, or, or you saw those pictures of the shelves during the pandemic, and you're like, look at the shelves, they're half empty. Well, they were half full too. And there's still a lot of different things that people are complaining about, but a famine is very, very serious business. It wasn't like they could just you know, order food in from somewhere. There was just nothing around. And with Abraham deceased, Isaac, his son, who they waited, the miracle child, remember they waited 20 years for him. And so they, the, he's the leader of the family. And the, and the question, if you're the leader of the family or the leader of something in the midst of a crisis is almost always, so what are you gonna do? Don't you hate when people ask you that? Like, you have no idea what you're going to do. Like, none. And people are like, so what are you going to do? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. And like we saw with his parents, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, they were unable to have kids. Now it seems like life is repeating itself again, that they're unable to find food. And it's interesting that, you know, God told Abraham, you know, go, I'm going to take you to a land. And they got there and and so it was this beautiful land, and so they're living in the promised land, and both, both Isaac and both Abraham and his son Isaac experienced in the promised land that um, it was not delivering all its promises. And so sometimes there's, we have expectations of life, right? And then we think things are going to be a certain way, and then we realize that it didn't turn out at all the way I thought it was going to turn out, and so you could just picture them like, Lord, is this like the promised land? I hate to be in the unpromised land at this point in time. There's no food here. We don't know what we're going to do. And so we're going to all experience that too. We're going to all experience disappointments in life. We're going to make big mistakes in life. And things are not going to turn out maybe the way we wanted them to. And so we have a lot to learn from people like this. For many of us, the questions also become, and this is what it's going to be for Isaac tonight, is he going to learn from the mistakes of his parents or is he going to repeat them? Uh, do you ever think about that? Sometimes you ever have anybody say something to you like, you're just like your mother. <laughs> right? You're just like your father, right? And uh, it's good if it's a compliment, but if it's not, it's not so good. And Abraham in his life, he didn't trust God, and he messed up, and we studied his life a couple years ago, and he went down to Egypt, and Egypt, whenever you think people going down to Egypt, you think, nah, this is not going to be good. Egypt is a type of sin in the Bible. God pulled his people out of Egypt, like he pulled Moses and all them out of Egypt because it's not a great place, and remember down there, he told them that, if you remember the story, he said they looked at his beautiful wife. Sarah, and he goes, oh, she's my sister, right? Instead of saying, that's my wife. So here they have the same, same conditions, you know, uh, couldn't have kids. Isaac and his wife couldn't have kids, and they finally have a, they've got kids. Well, actually, probably not yet. We'll get to that in a minute. And so there's a famine in the land, and he's, he's got to take off with his people, and he starts to head out of town. Verse 2 says, then the Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, do not go down to Egypt, why? That place is bad news. Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and, you might want to underline this, I will be with you and bless you. Now, there's no food. He says, I will be with you and I will bless you. 
For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. Remember, 20 years to get one kid or two kids. Actually, they have twins. So they're like, like, he's kind of like, this is the same thing he told my father. This is crazy. I will give uh, to your descendants all these lands and to your seed or your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statues, and my laws. Now, I'm thinking like, no, he didn't. Um, God's got a selective memory. Uh, God says, I will take your sins and I will cast them behind me. It's not like God has a bad memory. He chooses not to remember things. Remember that. Sometimes we choose to remember things. But he could be talking about, if you remember the story of when he had the opportunity, when God told him to sacrifice Isaac and he did not. He went all the way up to the, just about to do it. And then God said, no, I'm going to provide a substitute. And then verse six says, So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So it seems to be he had already moved there when the Lord showed up. So he's already getting, he's moved away from where he was. He's sort of, you know, on the journey and he, you know, pulls over to Motel 6 and he sits there and he says, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be here for a bit on my way. So here the Lord meets Isaac in the midst of adversity. He meets Isaac in the midst of the unknown. Do you ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're in the midst of the unknown? Like you just don't know what, 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 what's up? And you're like, what's the next step, Lord? I have, no, I have no idea. But notice that the Lord doesn't leave him on his own. It's very an interesting thing. Like when we studied the life of Daniel, we said, you know, the people got booted out of uh, Jerusalem, but the Lord went with them. <laughs> he went with them. And so now here, the Lord is moving with him. He's not like, well, come back to the promised land or you left where I was, come back to me. No, he's there with him. And it seems that, you know, Isaac had already started to move out. He moved to Gerar and all of a sudden the Lord puts the brakes on it. The Lord says, okay, let's stop. Let's regroup. Let's get together. Let's think about this thing. And the Lord uh, tells Isaac, stay where you are. Just stay where you are. Maybe that's, maybe that's a word for somebody. Just stay where you are. You're, you're on the cusp of a, of a decision that you're going to make. And the Lord is like, you know what? You're not ready for this decision. Maybe you just need to stay right where, where you are right now. And he says, trust me. And he says, don't go down to Egypt. You, you don't, you don't want to go down there. Look, I know that seems like the right decision to make right now, but don't go down to Egypt. And then he makes this important statement. He says, I will be with you and I will bless you. You're going to have to trust me on that one, though. I realize there's not an abundance of food up here. I realize maybe you heard there's a lot of food down in Egypt, but I'm going to be with you and I will bless you. And he says, if you stay in my presence, I'll give you a place. I'll give you a people. I have a great plan for you and I have a great plan for your people. And as he looks out, does he see any of that? No, he didn't see any of that at all. And this is something that every follower of Jesus will face in your life. And maybe you face it on a regular basis that, that you say to yourself, should I do what seems right to me when it conflicts with the word of God? Because sometimes it's easy to, you know, remember we talked last week about Satan's shortcuts. It's easy to take the shortcut. It's easy to do what seems right. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. And so we want to be careful, 
how we do this. Now, I said it that way, should we do what seems best to us when it conflicts with the word of God? Because quite often, what seems best and is best is consistent with the word of God if we're walking with the Lord. But no matter what, the, the, the big promise here is this, I will be with you. I will be with you. And really, that's the further you walk with the Lord, you realize that is really the most important thing is your awareness of the presence of God in your life. Now, you see, you say, why did you just throw in the word awareness? Because you could know God is with you or God is with you, but if you don't know it, there's no experience of that for you. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, first off, thanks for coming. It's great to have you here with us. Maybe you're newer to the faith, or maybe you're in a place right now of your faith where you're just really struggling. Or maybe you've been struggling for a long time and you just can't seem to get out of it. I can tell you this, and and you're probably not going to want to hear this, but it's something that I've learned along the way. Quite often, the Lord only gives us enough information to take the next step. You know, we we want the plan, right? We want to just punch it into our GPS and boom. There we go. We know where we're going. We know how long it's going to take. We know where the traffic is. We, know, we, got, we got it all down. We know how much the tolls are going to be. We, we got everything down. That's what we want. And God is like, nah, nah, nah. And you're thinking like, okay, could you give me some directions, Lord? Mm, no, no. A compass? Oh, maybe. <laughs> right? Remember, as we said to Abraham, he's like, just, you know, come on, let's go. I'm going to go to a land that I will show you. You know, could you imagine coming home from work that day? You say to your wife, your wife says to you, hey, how was work today? He goes, it was good. The Lord appeared to me. Really? What did he say? He said, we're going to go on an adventure. Where are we going? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) He said he would show us. She'd be like, well, (laughs) maybe you should go back and talk to him. I want a little bit more security. I want a little bit more about about where we're going. But a lot of times, again, God's only going to say, this is the next step. Take this step. And then you're on, an, you're on a need-to-know basis. What's important to see is that the next step may not solve the problem. You're like, okay, I'll do this. So the next step is I'm going to stay here. Great. Uh, excuse me, God, one, it's just, I don't mean to question you, but I'm going to. Uh, there's a famine here too. Okay? That's why I want to go to Egypt. So a lot of times the next step is not going to fix the problem, but here's the problem that God knows that Egypt will steal your heart. Egypt is just that kind of place, and it's always bad for the people of God. They were stuck there for 400 years, and Moses took them out of there. That's the place that will steal your heart, and God says that's the worst place you can go. That's the worst place you can go. Trust me, take the next step, And I'll give you the next step after that. Yet notice the grace of God. The Lord does not say this. I am so sick and tired of my people. I mean, these guys, this Abraham and Isaac, I mean, who do they think they are? Every time there's a little bit of trouble, they just run down to Egypt. Like they just, 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 that's what's going to fix everything. So what does the Lord say to him? Isaac, just stop, sit down. He doesn't lecture him, 
but he reminds him of the great promises that he made to Abraham and all of his descendants. descendants. And he says, Isaac, you're his son. These promises are for you. That's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the promises, not about the problem that's right in front of you. And once again, the greatest promise of all, I will be with you. God's faithful promise to be with his people. God's faithful presence in your life and in mine. Now, that does not negate human responsibility. If he goes to Egypt, will God go with him? Probably. But that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. But our responsibility is to obey the call of God and to trust the Lord. Verse 7, and the men of the place asked about his wife. That's the same thing that happened to Abraham, right? So this is like, he, the, the movie is being replayed. He knows the story. He knows the way it didn't turn out so well before. And he said, she is my sister. That's the same thing Abraham did. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. So he's got a beautiful wife, and, but he's afraid that the guys in the land are going to kill him to, to get his wife. I mean, that would be, that would be you know, easy enough to do. So just, just, to, just to settle everything, just so you guys know. Uh, Pam is not my wife. She's my sister, okay? <laughs> so don't kill me, right? So um, in the last chapter, Rebecca was pregnant. But remember, the Bible writers are not so concerned with order like we are. So we could be out of order here. I mean, if she was pregnant, that would have been easy for them to see, right? She had twins. That would be really easy to see. If there's a bunch of little kids running around going, mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy, that would have been easy enough to see. But again, if the king wants to take Isaac's wife away from him, all he has to do is kill him. That's pretty easy, right? It's pretty easy. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants. But he would rather give up his wife than his life. I mean, what do you say? Sorry, babe. Got to keep the family line going. God's promises, right? God said, I got to keep making babies, so I'll just have to find another woman, right? Once again, the question we all face, can God be trusted to keep his promises? That's going to be a constant thing that stares us in the face all the time. Can God be trusted to keep his promises that he makes to his people? Now, before you say yes, we have to think about it a little bit. Do we have faith to believe that? When, When you know the promises of God and life does not look good to you, Are you willing to follow God? Are you willing to let life play itself out? Or are you going to do what Abraham did and now what Isaac is doing? You're going to help God out. You're going to help God out. How many of you know that God does not need your help? Just how many of you know that? Only one hand, I'm double hand, right? God does not need your help. We get to serve God, but he does not need our help. Um, how many of you know that uh, we don't get God onto our timeline? Yes, we all know that. And so 
Yeah, God doesn't need to get on our timeline. But I'll t- again, I'll tell you that I have learned over the years through many a hard lesson that with the awareness of God's presence comes God's protection. Now, does that mean everything has gone wonderful for me? No, absolutely no. But I would much rather be safe in God's hands than out on my own. And so with his presence comes protection. Now, do not try to figure out how God delivers because that's just going to drive you batty. Now, I'm not saying you don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying you don't do what's right for you, but, but that will drive you batty. Let me give you a couple examples. Moses and God's people were stuck in Egypt. And so how did God deliver them? Plagues. Plagues. Abraham and Sarah, how were they delivered from the, the, the prior Abimelech? God terrorized him in a dream. Isaac and Rebekah, how's it going to work out for them? Actually, pretty ordinary. Pretty ordinary. So it can be all different kinds of ways that God is going to come to our aid. Verse 8 says, Now it came to pass when he, Isaac, had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Now, some of your versions say they were laughing together. Some of your versions say they were, he was caressing her. Some other versions I will not say because we want to keep this PG-13. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she is your wife. All right? So something was afoot. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain or slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So here's the thing. Isaac was obeying God where he lived, but not now. Very interesting thing. I mean, if you remember the story of Abraham, God said to Abraham, you know your son that you waited all those years for? I want you to go kill him. I want you to sacrifice him. And so at the very last minute, God shows up with a sacrifice for them, and, and so he saves that. But now you think, you would think the guy would be like, well, if I survive that, I can survive anything. But now he's got these doubts, and, and he's like, he's fearful. So he says, well, she's my, she's my wife. And, and it's easy for us to critique him, but I think if we're honest, that it takes a lot less for us to disobey the Lord when doubts arise, doesn't it? It takes a lot less than this than being fearful of your life. How often do people choose what's best for themselves over what's best for others or over their service to the kingdom of God? How often, like Isaac, do we forget the promises of God that we just heard? I mean, God just told them. We joke about it, it's, and, and it, it's funny, but it's not. You come into church, you hear a word from the Lord. You're like, I heard from the Lord today. Yes, right? And, and you know, you, by the time you hit Route 80, you forgot it already. And then some of you, God help you, take Route 46, forget it. <laughs> I mean, it's just gone. 
Some of you get to the top of the parking lot and you're like, what was that promise? What was that? What was that you said, God? That's why it's, it's helpful sometimes to write things down. I mean, humans, we can be so self-centered. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to be so much kinder to people, right? And then you're like the person in front of you is trying to make a left going up Route 15. You're honking your horn. Come on, come on. <laughs> Some of you are like, did, did parking lot guys report me to him or something like that? Selfishness is something that needs to be snuffed out of our lives. But I think fear is much more difficult. When you're afraid, it is really, really hard to obey the Lord, and we have to really pray for faithfulness. Yet, when we're fearful, I have found it helpful to to look at the cross, and you can see at the cross just how serious God is about protecting you. I mean, you're at the cross, our sins are forgiven. So the wrath of God for sin is on Jesus. So what is Jesus protecting us from? From God's wrath. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ, no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.